Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Access Ninja Podcast. I'm Jonathan Campbell. And I'm Rachel Magario. Thanks for joining us. Today, we're going to be talking about you know, just some general accessibility news. So we've got uh, we've got three different topics we're going to go over. These are things that have happened in the last month. We're going to just cover them briefly, but I think they're interesting and they show a little bit of a trend here. So uh, we'll just going to jump right into it. And uh, what's kind of been blowing up in the last uh, couple couple days has been uh, Apple recently submitted a new set of emojis that are supposed to be more inclusive. And so uh, specifically, the way this works is uh, there's an organization called the Unicode Consortium. Uh, they're a nonprofit organization, and they work on the development of uh, a tech standard called the Unicode standard. And if you're not familiar with that, that's basically like a, a, a set of rules for how to encode text to express it in different ways so that text can work properly on multiple devices and across the world. And one of the things, one of the smaller things they do, but something that I think most people get the most interaction with, is they also are the ones that regulate uh, what emojis there are and uh, and what they uh, what they look like. And they uh, basically uh, set a, a set a string of code that uh, when it is read by an iPhone or an Android phone or whatever, uh, it shows up as the actual emoji. So that way somebody in uh, Japan can send a smiley face with a hand making a peace symbol uh, to somebody uh, in America who's using a completely different phone on a completely different platform, and they also get a smiley face person giving a a peace sign as well. Hey, do you think uh, everybody knows what an emoji is? Well, um, well, why don't we talk about that? Why don't you break down for those people uh, what what exactly an emoji is? I mean, I think everybody knows, but just in case, if you have no clue what we're talking about, an emoji is a little face expression or an object. Let's see. I'll tell you actually the categories. Uh, you have smileys where you're going to have people. Uh, faces and expressions, and I think you have cat expressions too. And then you can have objects, and that's where those little, um, you know, a phone or a watch or whatever. Then you have categories of flags where you can have flags from all over the world or symbols like hearts and hearts with ribbons. I'm just telling you the ones I use mostly. But anyways, it's basically an image. And I think in the very, very old time, um, back in the 80s, 90s, uh, you could actually type um, to make a smiley, for example, you can type a column and a dash and a right parenthesis, I believe. And that used to output into a smiley. And with the years, we've gotten so sophisticated. So now you have all kinds of emojis. And if you, we even have an emoji movie. And just to clarify, some of those old ones you mentioned, like when you're using characters to represent uh, a face, uh, uh -huh. those actually even predate emojis uh, and usually referred to as emoticons. Uh, oh, they, they, yeah so they use punctuation to represent text and emojis is an evolution of that right so we've, we've taken uh instead of just getting the text we, it actually represents on images and what's kind of cool about emojis is that on a properly designed platform uh the screen reader can actually properly read those out i love it i use a lot of emojis people think i'm crazy but they're so useful now, one of the things about emojis, as we mentioned, that this Unicode consortium is the one that decides, you know, basically what string of text equals what type of emoji and what should those emojis look like. Um, any group can submit a proposal for additional new emojis. So like a big one that was proposed and, uh, and approved was to allow people to select skin tones when it's a representation of a person. Uh, before that, emojis were all sort of this, everyone was kind of yellowish. It was one weird skin tone. So everybody's like hair and faces were this kind of like unnatural yellow. 
kind of a yellowish orange color but now you can actually choose uh in most modern platforms you can actually choose skin tone and so the submission that apple did is they wanted emojis to be more inclusive so they submitted a string of uh accessibility or, or different physical representations of uh of disabilities uh in the form of emojis and so just because they submitted it doesn't mean it's going to be part of it it doesn't mean it's going to show up tomorrow or next week or next month uh, they're going to eventually vote on it. And we'll talk about what exactly uh, those emojis are in, in just a moment here. Uh, but another cool thing just to know about emojis is that uh, the Unicode Consortium doesn't create a universal image for what these emojis should look like on each phone. And I think we talked about this on a previous podcast. But basically, they set a standard for what uh, what the emoji should uh uh, look like a, they basically put a text description. So, for instance, one of the no, new emojis that Apple submitted is simply called Guide Dog with Harness. And then Apple also submitted a visual representation, a picture that would match that. But if they get approved, then Microsoft and Google are going to take that same description, Guide Dog with Harness, and do their own version of it. So, for example, Apple's representation of a Guide Dog with Harness is a yellow lab, and perhaps uh, we'll have a, a German Shepherd on a different platform. That does happen. There's a little bit of a variance in uh, from platform to platform. Well, uh, my husband actually said that he saw a dog, and he wasn't sure if it was the guide dog because they didn't have the description in it. But he said, oh, it doesn't look like a guide dog. <laughs> so I don't know what he was seeing at, but he said that it looked more like a mobility service dog harness than a guide dog harness. But I don't know. Don't quote me on it. Well, there's actually two different, and this is was these was he looking at pictures of of the new emoji proposals? Yeah, I think so. So because there's two different dogs in this proposal. Uh, okay. One of them is a yellow lab with uh, a harness, and it looks very much like a harness I would associate with a, with a service dog. And then there's a okay. second one that's a service dog emoji. Now, this one has a kind of a red, uh, a red vest on and a normal leash, so no harness whatsoever. Uh, and so I don't know if that, if that might account for the fact that one of the dogs didn't look like a guide dog. Maybe uh... the service dog emoji. Yeah, actually, I don't know which one he saw. He he told me that it looked like a mobility harness. So I don't know if you know the difference, but um, so a regular harness uh, for guide dogs has a handle, but the handle is flexible and it kind of comes uh, sort of like over the dog's back and and. You know, so you can be kind of standing by the dog's uh, thigh, like, you know, his, like, back leg. But then um, mobility dogs also have harnesses, but their harnesses are not flexible. Because since they're helping the person to stay standing or or sometimes they stand in front of the person so their knees doesn't buckle, Um that is uh, also has a handle, but that handle is unflexible and it's very much like a oversized, um, ooh, like, I don't know, it's kind of like a oversized sort of suitcase handle that's over the harness. And, and that never, it doesn't, it doesn't lay down over the back or go forward. It stays like, uh, like it doesn't move, basically. I, I can't think of the word right now. And is that, but, is that particular, that, that handle, is that like at a 45 degree angle, a 90 degree angle? A 90 degree angle from okay. the harness, yeah. Because I would say this, this looking at this one, it's it's definitely a, a, a guide dog harness, although it's at, it's currently at a 45 degree angle as though someone oh, was holding it. Holding it. Okay, gotcha. Although there's All no right. person in there, so. Right. Okay. Yeah, it makes sense. Well, when I when I jump in and, and and actually quickly just talk about, there's only a handful of these that they've submitted. Let me let's just go over what exactly is in their proposal. Okay. And we're just you know you can actually go uh, to Unicode.org and uh, and and see the full submission that Apple did, and that involves not only uh, the images and the text descriptions, but also the justification for how they decided to present the information. So you can go in real deep if that's what you. If, that, if that's what you're interested in. but So the first one is uh, 
uh, we've just talked about was the guide dog with harness, which is a yellow lab with wearing a harness. Uh, the harness is at that 45 degree angle as though someone is currently walking with the dog, but there's no person there. Uh, and then the, the next set is simply called person with white cane. And uh, this can be represented by male or female gender, and you can even choose skin tone on these. Uh, and it's basically a person who's walking while holding uh, a white cane, the traditional one with the like white cane with the red tip. And uh, uh, interestingly enough, I did read in a little bit more. They originally were thinking about just doing a white cane emoji, but they just felt that at the size emojis are usually viewed at, uh, the cane was not distinctive enough and not clear enough. So they decided it made more sense to have a person using a cane rather than just a cane. Yeah, I think it would be useful to have both. But, but yeah, but, and, and I think, unfortunately, you know, um, around the world, everybody used to know what a white cane means. And more and more, I noticed that not everybody knows exactly what that means. It's interestingly enough, the, the representation that, that Apple has of the cane is one with the, and excuse me, because I don't know my cane tip names very well, uh, but it's the rounded, <laughs> like the ball at the end. Yeah, I know, because my husband also said something about that. Because I have the, I have the, the, you know, the uh, nylon, nylon uh, tips, which they're like they look like a little tube and they finish nice and they don't make a lot of noise. And uh, my husband said the same thing. He goes like, "Why is it a ball? I've never <laughs> seen a game of a ball." <laughs> I used to know the name of that, or at least somebody told me a name for it. Who's a who's a who uses that style? But uh, I do not know. But that's the one they decided to represent. And I should clarify with the with the images for the blind. They consulted the American Council for the Blind uh, around the design choices. Uh, no, so, and I think it doesn't really matter. Hey, I'm blind, and I don't know the name of my tips. So okay. <laughs> and then also, this this particular emoji is person with white cane. So, like I mentioned, uh, representation might look different across platforms. So I wouldn't, if anybody's really curious, I wouldn't get too caught up in the tip design because you might find that your Android users, if they do adopt this, might have a, a different tip. It's not specific in the emoji <laughs> description. So <laughs> I don't think we need that kind of. Uh specificity Come yeah on. emojis are not supposed to be that detailed so it's you know they're supposed to be basic representations maybe when they make the emoji movie too then they'll have a little you know blind emoji hanging around i'm i'm a little worried about what type of representation we might get you know blind people in movies especially in <laughs> comedies do not always get depicted <laughs> in a flattering way <laughs> uh, that is true uh, but, you know what you know, I, I, I should be optimistic and maybe they'll surprise me come on the one on Star Wars wasn't that bad oh yeah 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 that was it uh... was kind of bad that he got he died in the end but oops spoiler alert but I think everybody watched that movie by now yeah and also that's that's Donnie Yen too so that's a pretty cool um pretty cool actor to play that character too i'm a i'm a kung fu fan so i saw donnie yen in there i got super excited well and, and he did really well like he was like kick-ass blind kind of guy and but all right so the next emoji uh is somebody performing the deaf sign uh so this is in american sign language uh it, this would be basically if you make a fist and then point, point a point put your uh, index finger out like you're pointing and then place that on your cheek and then rotate your wrist. You're doing the U S uh, um, at least the American sign for deaf. And the, uh, the representation is a close up of a face. So you can only see like about a half to a quarter of the face. Cause it's emphasis on the hand sign. And so it's uh, once again, you can choose male or female and you place it next to the cheek. And then there's a, uh, a, a lines to represent that the hands in motion. Hey, uh, I want a better description for that. So you point your hand and you rotate your wrist so the front part of your hand is looking towards you, right? Well, so it's actually, it's a motion. So you basically act like you're pointing at your chin and then you rotate your wrist 
So you're almost like you're twisting it. So if you keep your finger on your cheek and then okay. just twist your wrist in a back and forth motion, that's the sign for death. So it's 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 not just like you're not holding it just still. You're actually kind of turning your wrist almost like you were trying to, if your finger was a screwdriver, uh, you're tightening and loosening a screw on your cheek. So it's back and forth, back and forth. Oh, yeah. I think that's everybody can understand now. Yeah. Uh, then we have uh, ear with hearing aid, and that one is exactly as described. It's a it's an ear with a hearing aid in it. And then we've got a uh, person in mechanized wheelchair, so a motorized wheelchair, uh, both male and female and skin tone variants uh, available for that as well. Uh, okay, that's that's called power chair. Yep, and it's uh, theirs is they picked a. Uh, a red because uh, well mostly it's like black and red i just think it's a cool looking chair i think but but it's not too fancy it's not like an overly fancy chair so uh, <laughs> and then they do have also person in a manual wheelchair so uh and that one well it looks like a very standard you know manual self-propelled uh wheelchair i mean what you human propelled i should say uh, and then they have a mechanical prosthetic arm. And followed by that, a mechanical or prosthetic leg as well. And then finally, and we talked about this one already, we have service dog with vest and leash. And uh, Apple's representation, this one's a German shepherd. Uh, he's got a red vest on and is wearing a uh, a leash. And so it's supposed uh -huh. to differentiate itself from the uh, from the from the guide dog, right? Yeah, because and mostly guide dogs are labs. I mean, that's not true f for every school, but I would say that labs is the most popular breed for guide dogs. Yeah, I'd say of of the customers I work with who who have guide animals probably you know uh, at least four out of every five are labs and i only very occasionally uh meet a uh, a shepherd yeah well they do shepherd still but it's getting less and less i think they use shepherds for some specific um cases and and we'll we'll talk about that when we make a episode on guide dogs but uh yeah it's mainly uh for certain cases because labs have the most great personalities i guess for <clears throat> guiding like uh you know shepherds are uh, herding dogs so sometimes they try to they try to choose where the blind person is going <laughs> kind of like hey we go to this you know to this office every day and we're passing by it and we go in here right nope or not so labs are a little more forgiving on that sense because they're not herding dogs they're hunting dogs so the behavior is a little bit different but they're awesome i wish they had uh you could choose the color though that would be awesome you know just like the tone of the skin if you could choose like yellow or black uh i think that would be awesome so there's two other things I want to note before we before we move on here. One is uh, Apple did make a, a a statement about why uh, why these emojis, uh, and they just say that that if they accept these emojis, it'll be a significant step toward uh, forward in representing representing more diverse individuals, and will hopefully spark uh, spark a global dialogue around better representation for people with disabilities. Uh, but they also want to make it clear that this is not an all-encompassing, you know, uh, set of emojis. It is a beginning, is what they hope for. Because you might notice it's it's got a handful of uh, of representing a handful of accessibilities, but but you might uh, disabilities. But you might notice it's it's you know limited. It's wheelchair, prosthetics, uh, deaf, and uh, and vision loss. But of course, there's a lot more uh, people that could be represented. And so they consider this to be a initial proposal and hopefully will spark, uh, some additional emojis in the future as well. Well, and that's, a. it's, I think they just went for the major physical disabilities, you know? So I think it's a great beginning because, um, you know, a lot of the other disabilities 
they're not easily representative physically. So then that could also create uh, a huge controversy because some people would, you know, would wouldn't necessarily agree on the representation right away. So. so they consider this just an initial starting point in regards to uh, more inclusive emojis. So that'll be, uh, it'll be interesting. That'll be something to follow. I, uh, I know that they're, you know, that this is a time when people are submitting proposals. So we'll just have to sit back and see if it gets approved and if it gets added. And so I know that Apple has uh, made submissions before. I know that their submissions are taken seriously. So it is, uh, it'll be interesting. So we will stay tuned. Can people help out by, you know, supporting somehow or? I mean, you could contact the Unicode uh, Consortium. Uh, and they are at, yeah, I believe just unicode.com. Um, oh, no, no, sorry, unicode.org. Uh, I know that they have a, a, sec- a selection of um, volunteers for the ones that will do the uh, final vote. Uh, but I know that you can uh, contact them, uh, you know, comment on their blog. Uh, they do have a, a, a form of contact. They do have a, a postal address and a, and a phone number. Uh, but I would go to their site. Uh, they do have a whole posting on this submission and, uh, and read through that and, uh, uh, and use that as your guide for, for how, to, uh, how to help. All right. Go make comments if you want those emojis out. So, yeah. So that is um, the, Uni- uh, the, new, uh, the new Unicode submission for uh, accessible emojis. So. So the next thing I wanted to talk about, uh, which is something that happened earlier this month, is Airbnb has uh, made some adjustments to their app and their webpage to add 21 new accessibility filters. So when you're looking for a property, uh, you can ensure access before you book the property uh, while you're still even in the browsing phase. This does require uh, the Airbnb owners to... uh, check off which uh which of these filters is appropriate for for their locations um and they did this uh they put this list together uh based on feedback from the california council of the blind the california foundation for independent living centers and the national council on independent living so that's how they decided what type of filters uh they should make available right away well i think especially for wheelchairs this is super important i use airbnb like crazy but yeah for wheelchairs is major because you know sometimes you book one and you don't know if they're for example if their doors are 32 inches or 36 so um a lot of times if it's a 32 you can't go with your you know chair inside or you will get stuck and yeah so this is like i take my hat off to airbnb i think this is brilliant it's also a good way for the mo I think Airbnb's big goal is they want to avoid at all costs at regulation. And they are in this weird gray area because these are private homes, but they're being used as a business space. And so how ADA applies to that is a little bit in the air. So they want to make sure that they don't want to be regulated like, like a hotel is. They don't want it to deal with those taxes. They've been able to get around those for quite a while. And so I think this is a, a move to try to uh, avoid, um, you know, some lawsuits. And uh, I think it's a smart move. Um, and like you mentioned, you know, one of the filters you can do is whether or not uh, the doorways have that 36-inch clearance uh, and uh, whether or not there's a step up in order to get into the home or to get into a bedroom or are the um, bathrooms accessible wide enough? Uh, can they, uh, can someone, uh, does the bathtub have a bath chair? You know, there's about 21 different things you can filter through. And I did test if someone does want to explore these. Uh, you can find it in both the app and the web page, uh, but the filters don't begin woo, woo. after you do a search. So you first do a search, and then right beneath uh, the search field uh, is where you'll find the uh the filters button and you can go through and do those filters i do want to note if you're a screen reader user and you're using the web version of it 
Uh, there's two little notes about Airbnb I, I think you should know about. Uh, one is when you're using the filters, um, use the tab key to navigate through the the different buttons. There's just a lot of weird uh, breakups of uh, containers, web containers, and so forth. And it's sort of a pain to do it with the arrows. I just like to use the tabs. I found that worked better. And then also if you are uh, on the web and you just do a search, they don't as the results of the page, unlike Google, where if you do a Google search, all of the search results, like the main uh, titles of the pages are headings. Uh, they don't use headings that way uh, inside of uh, the search results. Uh, basically, every single search result is a separate link. So once again, you're going to want to tap through there or or bring up your uh, your your link browser uh, to get through the results. I, I was just playing around with the site and I found some of those things a little frustrating unless, but once I knew the secrets, I was like, oh, I can get around this. Okay. Yeah. But here, here, that's why I use the app only because it's not very efficient when you're on the website, but I appreciate that having the ability to do both. <clears throat> like I just used hangout uh, last uh, week and, uh, uh, there are certain things that you can only do on Hangouts uh, when you're on the web, but the app is a lot more accessible, so easier to navigate. So it's complicated sometimes, so I appreciate that you can do both. And I didn't see any significant feature difference between the app and the uh, and the web version of it. So you're not, I don't think you're really missing out inside the app. I think Airbnb was really designed to be a uh, a mobile platform anyway, so. Yeah, no, I think it's it's brilliant. I love when uh, when um, <clears throat> both, you know, I don't like when apps are very restrictive and the website is not that great to use. So, uh, talking about uh, ADA and regulations and all that, I believe, and don't quote me on it. I am not a lawyer. Uh, that <clears throat> Airbnbs and VRVO, which is uh, vacation rentals for by owners, uh, they do have to comply with ADA, not necessarily with the Housing Act. So there's a difference because uh, if you are in the Housing Act, it has more to do with rentals that are long, you know, that you will live, that you'll go back there. Uh, this kind of becomes your address. But if it's not your address, which is a place that you rent just for a short period of time that is less than 30 days, um, ADA is the law in place. I just had this problem. Uh, I'm going to go to a wedding and uh, my friends are using a... It's a huge uh, house for, I think, maybe... 30 people or something and it's um it's a brvo and uh and i just had a a discussion with their lawyer because they were requesting me things that um wasn't fully legal under the ada uh and they are okay under the housing act and then we had to do some kind of clarification in there so even though they're not fully regulated uh they still have to, they can still not deny you, uh, I guess, usage, right? But but when it comes to accessibility and wheelchair, um, you know, they, they don't have to do it because they're quote-unquote private houses, right? Uh, so, yeah, it's a, it's a very thin line there, but, but they still cannot... Um, prevent you from coming with your, for example, service dog and et cetera, et cetera. So it, it's a, there's still a little bit of regulation. Like they still have to, to, um, to abide by certain laws if they, you know, if they, if they're renting. So. And it kind of applies to, to local information and I could be working with some outdated information too, because this is an article from 2013. Uh, mm -hmm. But, uh, you know, according to uh, Vacation Rental Resources, a webpage here, uh, most most vacation rental properties do not fully fall fall under ADA compliance unless it has a uh, unless it has a common area that has public access, 
uh, unless there's local regulations specific to, specific to the state um, or whether or not um, and you also if your marking anyway applies accessibility uh, then you fall under ADA as well so it, it's good to know ahead of time with these vacation rentals and I, I do think that uh, you know Airbnb is, is is making a very very good move by making sure people know before they get there because we rent recently rented a property it was a beautiful property in Seattle that there's no way someone in a wheelchair could have gotten there because uh, from the parking area down to the house because it was on a hill uh, you had to go down like I would say almost like a full flight of stairs and there was no ramp no other way to get there and you, you just don't want to you see these beautiful pictures and maybe that maybe that maybe that stairwell is not in the photo and uh, and you ask if it's accessible, and the person goes, "Yeah, sure." Yeah, I I I wonder though, like if people will be able to, you know, check if hosts will be able to check those things properly, or if they will take the time to go, you know, actually measure or understand. Because sometimes also, like um, I just got this uh, awesome condo in San Diego, which was much much better than a hotel because. Uh, it was gated, right? So I had a protected area where I could uh, go take my dog to relieve himself because we go out maybe at 10 p.m. and then again really early in the morning, like 6 a.m. So I used to hate that last time I was there, I was in a hotel and the lobby of the hotel was on the 12th floor. So I had to go out late at night and it was kind of, you know, I don't. I didn't feel safe around. So, in this place, it was great. It was like being in a, you know, being in my own home, I guess. And I, I could take the dog out, and I, there was a, you know, it's a, a whole uh, area with a, a fenced area. So, you know, did it, it was really nice. I could just go down on my PJs and all that. But the thing is that in the, in that house also. Like if the way that the furniture was arranged, it was a little bit tight. So if a wheelchair came, uh, it wouldn't, you know, it, it was really hard to, I, I think it would have been tight. Like the wheelchair would be able to go inside, but then they would have to go way, way inside the condo before they could uh, make a turn to get out. But the way that the furniture was laid out. That's a good point, and I don't know what level of education they're they're giving to their hosts. Um, I know that that Airbnb usually does a very thorough job of explaining both uh, what they want from their hosts and what they are legally required to do, and then also, uh, you know, suggestions. And so I know that in, in historically speaking, they they've done a, a good job of communicating um, this information to their hosts, but I haven't looked at the host information yet just on a blog that airbnb did about how they are going to uh, educate their hosts on how to how to make a place accessible even if it's not accessible how to know you're in compliance with the filters that are there and so hopefully they're they're communicating that way in a meaningful way because oh there's nothing worse than, than than thinking you're going to be somewhere accessible and then finding out that it's not well, it happens even in hotels. Uh, I've worked for years uh, with a person, you know, a wheelchair user, and he was my boss. And I remember, you know, we would go to conferences and things, and there's some horrible stories. And, and these are, you know, hotels with big brand names. And, you know, it's not always up to par. So there's one more uh, piece in the news of something that happened in early March that I just thought was interesting. And uh, excuse me, it's more Apple news stuff. You, you might notice I'm a heavy Apple guy. But Come on, didn't we tell everybody that this is Apple-driven podcast? <laughs> it's not exclusive. It's not exclusive. But yeah. Yeah, it is very Apple-driven. But you've got two Apple people here. So yay. It's... We definitely, if we're going to talk about Android, we're going to have to bring somebody else. So the uh, the big news is, well, 
Apple's been trying to push this new an initiative in education. They had an education event actually last week where they, uh, you know, announced uh, an update to the uh, to the standard iPad and to Pages and uh, and Keynote and Numbers to try to make it more appealing to education. I'm going to make a quick asterisk here, real quick, and because I don't know when this happened, but I wanted to tell you about it, Rachel. And what's a better time than on the podcast? But one of the complaints I've always had about the uh, pages and keynote and numbers for iOS versus the uh, desktop version is that if you embed a image, uh, whether it's inline or floating uh, in pages on the computer, you can create alt text for that image. So when a screen reader interacts with it, they can read the alt text just like on I a web page. Because you always do that for my presentations. Thank you very much. Exactly. Well, the problem is if you are creating and generating those on the iPad, uh, you can include the image, but you couldn't add the alt text in the iPad version of Pages. <laughs> and now they keynotes. put it so you can put it in there? Yes. Yeah. Because I got into this habit, although I got a little sloppy on it. But every time they did an update, I went to check if it was there because I'd written in a couple times to say, hey, as a feature request. And it's there. It's there now. So. You know, that's what I love about Apple. I mean, if you bug them enough and point it out, they eventually fix it. Yay. <laughs> it's just like uh, uh, for people that are not uh, Mac users, uh, Numbers is the Excel version, the spreadsheet, and uh, Pages is the Word, and Keynote would be the PowerPoint. So it's kind of like the Apple Office. Yeah, uh, so you got so your, your Word processor, your spreadsheet, and your slides. Program. Yes. And um, so we use this a lot. And the reason why I use Keynote to uh, do presentations is because actually, Jonathan, usually I'll tag my awesome pictures. So as I'm presenting, uh, I can usually actually read uh, the name of the image and then I know exactly what's on my slides. I tend to put not a lot of texts on my presentations and and this is just wonderful um i i wasn't able to do it before and uh, and yeah this is brilliant it's i'm really happy that 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 this is available and i and i remember that when we with uh with numbers for the longest time we weren't able to rename uh tables and sheets and i remember that you did a Apple script for me to be able to that do that, but eventually it would it would break down our script <laughs> when it got updated. But finally they put that maybe I don't know three four versions ago, and and I'm so grateful that you know they actually fix and and make sure that we can continue working and having the same access to every feature as everybody else. And someone can correct me on this if I'm wrong, because I, I only use Word on the iPad occasionally, but um, I haven't been able to find a way of putting alt text in the uh, in in the Word Word uh, for the for iOS. So that does put put it ahead as far as accessibility goes uh, on the mobile platform as well. Well, and uh, I haven't been able to put uh, alt text in Word. Even on the Mac version, I haven't touched the Windows version in a long, long time, so I don't know. But I, I can say I, I have put in alt text in Word documents on both the uh, the the Mac desktop version, the the 2016 or the Office 365 version. Uh, mm -hmm. I, I have been putting in alt text on both the the Mac and the Windows version of that uh, because oh, nice. I, I do share Windows documents with my my coworkers at State Services for the Blind, and uh, we always uh, always alt text there as well, of course. Of course. Yeah. Well, and who knows if it's accessible to the screen reader? Because <laughs> this this happens a lot, right? We do have a lot of uh, window users at at my office, and Word is like their preferred word processor on that platform. And I think because it it does have it is pretty decently accessible on the on Windows. Right. Yeah. But I remember when I switched to Mac, and I got the first Word version for the Mac back on 2011 maybe or 2013 i don't know whenever like office uh for mac came out again and um it was fully unaccessible actually you would open up and then the whole like voiceover which is the screen reader for the mac would just go quiet and so it took a long time to get some 
um, some accessibility in there. Yeah, I don't think they designed that old version of Word using Apple's development tools. I think they were using you know some other platform, and yeah, there was no no accessibility. They did um, when they updated the iOS version. They also redid the uh, the Mac version. Yeah, um, I remember yeah. that. So that yeah, that that now does work with Voiceover. Yeah, and I I use it once in a while when I'm helping somebody out. Um, you know, because sometimes um I open a Word file from somebody in pages, but the formatting is all funny. So I use the word in those cases if I'm working with somebody else and I don't want to butcher their whole uh, formatting without knowing. <laughs> but otherwise, um, I use the keynote and numbers yeah, mostly. And, I don't use it a lot. That switch over to the accessible version of, of Word was part of their complete rewriting of the entire higher code of that program they completely rewrote it so um anyways and that's I'm, actually and I'm, I'm thank you i'm thankful for that too because unfortunately you know if you're at school or something uh it's it's very important to to be able to access uh word also unless if you work with somebody on a mac so believe it or not that's not the topic i was trying to bring up but an important one for us to talk about all this say what i was gonna talk about was um uh, Apple uh, has started to um, push out this new education uh, program specifically around coding called Everyone Can Code. It's a series of uh, curriculum, both uh, textbooks and apps that they are distributing for free, uh, both to individuals who want to learn at home, but also to schools. They actually have teachers' manuals for how to teach coding in the classroom using uh, Apple's Swift programming language on the computer or on an iPad. And they've been pushing this out for about a year or so. But most recently, they've been putting a lot of effort into making the coding environment, or at least the learning to code environment, more accessible. And they recently held an event at the Texas School for the Blind and Visually Impaired, uh, specifically on coding. So they sent some of their developers down and even their head uh, of accessibility uh, down to uh, Texas, and they, uh, oh, by the way, the head of, um, oh, the director of accessibility at Apple, her name is Sarah, uh, I'm going to say her last name wrong, Herlinger, Sarah Herlinger, I believe. That's uh, how my computer reads it, but he's not always right. So uh, they went down and they did a uh, a day workshop where they brought in iPads uh, using the Swift Playgrounds app and voiceover and taught the kids there how to code. Uh, they did a little lesson, and then they had them code and control uh, these Parrot uh, drones and had them uh, had them write code to kind of dictate a flight pattern and, and had them fly around and do some other cool stuff. And I just think that's an important step because the tools for making software have their accessibility has been spotty. In fact, it still is spotty, but this is sort of a sign that they are uh, working on it, improving it, making sure Xcode, their developing platform uh, on, the, on the Mac is accessible. The Swift's Playgrounds app, which is a place you can do some coding, it's mainly made, mainly made for experimenting, playing, and learning, uh, is fully voiceover accessible. Uh, so we're moving in the right direction there. Yes, and I and I, you know, I really wish that not just Apple, but everybody would really jump into onto this wagon of making learning accessible. Unfortunately, when we talk about accessibility, uh, people just think about the kind of front end of the development, like they think of blind people or people with disabilities in general, like even switch users and, and other people that have, you know, access issues with a computer or a tablet, they usually talk about them being the consumers only, but there's not a lot of thinking on the, you know, a person with disability becoming the developer. And, and unfortunately, a lot of the backends, because I tried to become a developer back in, 07, I started learning code and it was horrible because, you know, I remember even a lot of resources online, the codes were like screenshots 
you know, and and it, it it was like horrible to read this whole thing. And every time you wanted the specific code, it was a screenshot, so you had to wait for somebody to read. I mean, I I took classes on C plus plus. I remember I I, I quit halfway through because I couldn't get a hold of the code and I was getting really frustrated. But the point is that um, that for the longest time, it was really hard for somebody that was blind to be able to access the information to become a developer. And then once you kind of stab at, you know, WordPress and, and different platforms that were kind of made for you to to tweak code enough for you to to be a proficient developer was really inaccessible. And I think we've we've done like, you know, leaps and bounds on that. And people are starting to see that people with disabilities also can be somebody on the back end, not just it it is is a switch of of thinking. You know, I, I think a lot of times people think of uh people with disabilities as somebody incapable and and i think that if we move towards those more accessible uh learning platforms and also even the backends that 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 we're using on a in different companies and so on i think you are it, it shows a, a change of mentality where a person with a disability is capable and which no which no we know we are but but the problem is, I think a lot of times it's an unconscious deal that people think that because you need uh, help with reading or maybe, you know, accessing a place or hearing or whatever. A lot of times people think that that equals you not being able to learn something like coding, you know, or something like that. And as Apple's trying to develop their accessibility software like VoiceOver, they've been trying to hire more and more blind developers, but you can't get blind developers if A, the tools themselves are not accessible to let those people in, and then B, that we're not teaching these kids in school to be coders, to be developers. Uh, and so it's sort of a problem is they need to find these developers and there have and because they have been kind of blocked out of this market, there's it's harder to find them. And so they need to open that doorway so that the next generation of children growing up can uh, can dream about being a coder and a developer and not feel that their vision loss or blindness is going to stand in that way. Well, and it, and, and it makes it easier, you know, uh, just so people know, there are lots of blind developers. Um, I know at least 10, but I mean, this is people that, uh, number one, studied really hard and also had maybe more access to coding because they either have people in the family or people that read to them. Um, you know, they, they got there. We, we all get there when you really want something. But in the world of today, there should be no excuse. I mean, kids in fourth grade now are already learning Python and or having like micro bits, which, you know, is this little kits which you can make uh, a program to make it do something. I, I'm, I'm sure pretty, probably similar to this uh, parrot um, on the blind school experiment. And, um, and I think there's no excuse for kids to not be able to be included on that. And I, I remember when I used to work as a assistive technology specialist, uh, I had a, a high schooler that came to me and his dream was to be a game developer, believe it or not. And, you know, I was kind of like, what do I tell him? You know, like, because um, I looked for some resources for him and, and it was really hard to find it. So uh, I didn't want to crush his dream. And, and, but I did tell him to start learning coding immediately. And, you know, I don't know what has happened since then. This must have been, I don't know, uh, probably to 2012, 2013. But my point is that there's still uh, blind developers, but that doesn't mean that it's easy. And it should be because on the world of today, any, you know, any sixth grader around, at least where I live, I can go talk to them. They all have had uh, exposure to Python, for example, at school. And this Everyone Can Code initiative that, that Apple's been pushing out there, um, they 
they absolutely yeah they, they want it to be available to everybody and what's kind of cool about it is that if you do have an ipad uh and you're a voiceover user you can download uh, the swift playgrounds app from the app store and it has built-in tutorials on learning the code that all read with voiceover all navigate with voiceover which means that if you're interested in it you and uh it, or you have a child that's interested in but you're not sure how to expose them to it uh, and it's all these built-in tutorials you can literally just start it and work on it completely independently and that's what's really great about that, too. So you can explore that interest without having to have a sighted person to read things to you or explain menus. You can literally start from scratch. Yay! I wish that was around when I was younger. Now, not all not, uh, not all the development tools are fully accessible at this point. I know that there's been a, a lot of work on them. For instance, Apple uses uh, a development uh, environment called Xcode. And an Xcode, a central part of that is something called the Interface Builder. And the Interface Builder is basically a visual representation of what your app will look like. And it's a very drag and drop environment. Now, that doesn't you don't need to use Interface Builder in order to build an app. You can do everything in code, but it's it's rather difficult. And so they want I know one of the emphasis is where how can we make this this old development platform this this mouse-based development platform uh accessible uh to our blind developers and i know that's something that's an active development because they want to give those advantages that interface builder gives versus hard coding everything uh they want to give those advantages to their blind developers as well yeah and i think that's the, the important thing because it's like me right I'm, i can't hard code anything but um if you want it to be a good blind developer you have to learn how to hard code everything on a text edit you know and and but today it's so easy with so many tools of drag and drop uh and and, and this is the brilliant part i think it's amazing that they are trying to make those platforms that everybody else can use even though they're not super you know like a great developer uh that so blind people can also access have access to it too. And of course, if a blind person has access to it, then that means somebody with a switch will probably have an access to it also and, and things like that. So well, I think that covers the topics I wanted to talk about today. Uh was there any last I uh thoughts uh from you, Rachel? No, I think we cover. I think three news is enough. Plus, we already went in some tangents. I'm great at that. <laughs> uh, we're doing good. I don't have any movies. I'm going to go watch Ready Play One today. So maybe next week I have some audio description feedback. That'll be an interesting one because Ready Player One's full of pop culture references. And I'm very curious to hear how the audio description will handle all of that information. So uh, hopefully. Well, maybe stay tuned for that episode. Yeah, maybe I'll make a, a mini movie episode. Well, I want to thank everybody for joining us here today at the Access Ninja podcast. If you've got uh, feedback, please send it to us at feedback at access.ninja. That's feedback at access.ninja. But otherwise, take care and keep uh, keeping. Keep keeping things accessible. Keep on keeping on. <laughs> oh, well, yeah. That's or... a little bit of an awkward uh, outro there, but I, I'm sure our <laughs> audience will forgive me. <laughs> hey, it shows that it's not perfect, just like <laughs> accessibility, okay? And if you don't like it, well, be nice. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. That's right. So, everybody, be nice to each other, okay? <laughs>